Welcome to episode 155 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharkley. Hello. And Matt Casal. Hello again. It is Thursday night, June 16th, and we are fresh off of Sci-Fi Valley Con 2016 in beautiful Altoona, Pennsylvania. While Matt and I were at the Sci-Fi Valley Con this past weekend, we had the honor of speaking with someone that was in The Empire Strikes Back. No, not Mark Hamill. Not Carrie Fisher. We spoke with the guy that played Dak. His name is John Morton, and we're going to give you a little bit of an interview that we had with him this past weekend. Fuck it, we'll give you the whole interview. And we're going to talk Sci-Fi Valley Con in general. Dak of taking on the whole Empire fame, right? and then promptly getting fucking martyred. Was it his fault, though? I mean, it was kind of Luke's flying that got him killed. Right. Luke flew him right into a laser bolt. Yep, he really did. Well, were the nice. they were having problems with the snowspeeders the night before. Like, I can't imagine all the kinks were worked out at that point. Like, I mean, That's they true. were kind of ambushed by the Empire. I mean, they were rushing well, to get shit together. Admiral Ozzel did feel surprise was wiser. <laughs> he did. I always liked Admiral Ozzel. No, wait. No, I like Why? Command... Not Ozzel. Admiral uh, Piet. No, not... No. General Veers? Veers. General Veers, did yeah. Admiral, oh, General Veers was a badass. Yeah, he did was awesome. Admiral Piet bite it second? No, Piet made it the whole way through. Did he really? Yeah. No, no, no. He died in Jedi. Oh, did he? When the okay. Star Destroyer explodes. Yeah, in A-Wing through space. But at least he avoided... Darth yeah. Vader's. Uh, well, there's that moment well, he was at Captain the end of Admiral, and like, didn't he go up three? Yeah, he became. He was. Je- he, I believe he was Admiral Piet by the. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, Admiral Piet. He became Admiral in Empire. It was. Was he General? Maybe Piet? he was Captain and then Admiral. Either yeah. way, I will take an exploding starship in my face over Darth Vader's performance review. So, that's. Yeah, I, I always like General Veers. Um, so, did you know the guy that played General Veers was uh, Donovan from uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Uh, yes, I didn't. Know I that. did know that. Yeah, do you know who I'm talking about, Ian? I do. Donovan. I've watched that before. Well, I didn't know if you were familiar with the names. Mm-hmm. By the way, speaking of Indiana Jones, I saw uh, this past week um, a couple things about Indiana Indiana Jones Five. It's going to be directed by Spielberg. I don't think George Lucas is involved, but it is written by Dave Knopp or Cop or something. K-N-O-P-P? Something like that. Same guy that wrote, like, all the other ones. Um, or maybe just the last one. I don't know. But, um, so you have that creative tandem. And then uh, I also read that Spielberg basically said this one's going to definitely be, like, for the fans. Um, so probably less chance taking I'm thinking um, you're probably going to get more of a Force Awakens kind of indie treatment um, and then Shia LaBeouf we going to get him I would think not if no? this is for the fans god damn it so there might be some fans out there that like him I, I actually liked him in the movie I, I just don't really care for him the person in real life he seems a little just out there I kind of um, like him in real life. He's, you know, he's a child know actor. He, I don't that, know if he's, he's just has like some mental issues, but he doesn't give a fuck. And I kind of dig I that. I suppose. I he's think, not doing, he's not being a dick. 
He kind no, of is. Yeah, but he's not. He's not. It's not like he's Justin Bieber out there, like blatantly breaking the law. No, no. Like no. he's just kind of irritated. Yeah, but wasn't he stealing people's intellectual properties? Like he was stealing people's movie scripts and passing them off as his. Oh, own. I haven't heard that. Yeah, heard, he was doing that, that. He was he was what? passing novels off as his own works. And somebody called was him that, on it. Was that legit or was that part of It was of legit. Like, it was 100% legit. Was that some performance piece? No. The whole watching his own movies in a theater and you could watch them with him, that's a performance piece. Which is amazing. I'd love to do that. He just, um, he was a child actor. and He just never felt, in, once he got into his adult years, he never felt like a very well-adjusted guy like well how can you be right well some the the very rare child actor can somehow become well adjusted and stay grounded even though you know they have this this fame that you know no kid is really equipped to handle but um i i mean at least he's not a statistic as far as like being some kind of like od um you know River Phoenix-ish type character. Right, which, you know, would be fitting for Indiana Jones. But one of the other uh, cool tidbits about Indiana Jones 5 is that... Now, this movie's going to come out in 2019. So that's a a short three years away. Um, but uh, John Williams said that he's going to write the music for it. Which, yeah. to me, is really big news. And I feel like it correlates right back to Star Wars because... If he's committing to writing music for a movie that comes out in three years, I have to think not only will he obviously do the next Star Wars, which comes out uh, next year, he'll probably do the one that comes out two years after that. Um, because I think that'll still be that'll be the same year as Indiana Jones, right? Um, I think so. Yeah. So our I math mean, is bad here at Mixology. I, I feel like, and then and then at that point, Mr. Williams, you may retire. You have been blessed by the McSauce Comic Book Podcast to accept retirement. <laughs> we'll be listening to this and be like, oh, thank God. Weren't you on the fence about his work on The Force Awakens? You know, I may have been initially. Um, boy, did that soundtrack grow on me. Um, it was definitely a grower, not a shower, Ian. Um, it... it has strong themes throughout and pulsating pulsate no 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 this is not Hans Blue Balls we're talking about here pulsates now we're talking about the best music composer throbbing themes no 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 these are just these are just great classic uh, themes great classic themes that are going to withstand the test of time um and and he builds to a problem, crescendo and a release, right? I think the problem was that uh, going in, I just wasn't familiar yet. And I was already familiar like with a everything else. But once you got to get your hands on that score, work it up and down. You popped your musical cherry? I think that it it fits very nicely alongside the other Inside? soundtracks. <laughs> Oh, stop it. <laughs> it's a very nice score. It is nice very nice score. soundtrack. Nice. Nice work, John Williams. Nice back for score. back for more on the Steven Lucas Steve, Stevens Lucas Camp. Spielberg Ooh, Lucas Camp. 
While we're stumbling over our words, why don't we do some housekeeping real quick? Some of you out there might have met Paul and Matt for the first time this past weekend at Sci-Fi Valley Con. And we apologize for those of you where it was the second time we met and we pretended like we didn't remember you. That was just all part of the act. We remembered you. It's part of the show. But if you are a first-time listener, thank you very much for tuning in to the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. You can find all of our works at McSauce.com. We have comic book reviews. We have web comics. We also have this podcast at McSauce.com. The best way to follow us, maybe you got a free button this weekend by going to the Facebook page and liking us there. We update all of our stuff as well as friends, things, their events, and uh, just general comic book or movie news on the Facebook page. Podcasts can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic, and our Deep Deep Cuts can be found at mcsaucepodcast.libsyn.com. How, how deep are they, Ian? They're so... They're, they're balls deep. Oh my god. Balls deep. It's not your lungs are so deep. <laughs> Where you can find all of our, our dick jokes and dirty talk. <laughs> dirty talk's the best. <laughs> uh, and, uh... Um, just wanted to give a quick shout out to two podcasts that I really like that made a strong return this week. Ryan McCormick's Fireside Chat and Tiffany Moore's More Than You Can Chew. Both can be found in the iTunes store, Stitcher Radio, and Libsyn.com. Go to the Facebook page and like their stuff. Ryan um, and Tiffany, both big supporters of the McSauce podcast. Ryan gave us a nice little shout out this week, compared us to our dearly departed that old comic smell he said that listening to that old comic smell was like it's like a sensual intimate cinemax after dark type of experience where we're triple x porn (laughs) dicks in every hole a mess but delicious and he said yeah that's that's what you want that's what you really want so that's what we are the triple x Porn of comic book podcasting. Make sure you put that on iTunes for us there, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> any of you out there that want to review us on iTunes, make sure to you know, let them know that we're, we're sexy and delicious. So, Ian, why don't you tell us about your experience at Sci-Fi Valley Con this past weekend? Oh, I, I, I had to experience... I, I, I was just uh, trapped at work and at a wedding, and I had to experience it through you guys on my phone. I got to see all the smiling fans taking pictures on Instagram. Uh, I got to watch as our Facebook like numbers climb through the stars. So it was was delightful. But why ask me? Why don't you guys who were there with the people on the ground, tell? why don't you guys tell me all about it? I'm all ears. We really worked that Instagram account this weekend. Yeah, especially Saturday. I mean, we really just beat that shit up. Yeah, we we adopted a policy. Was that before or after I told <laughs> you guys to fucking put the pictures on there? Um. Ah. Uh, it was I after. Well, I don't. I, I, I don't know if it was after. Or not. Honestly, I don't. All I know is that there were certain cosplayers that would walk by, and uh, we had some favorites. We did, and we got to the point where. We got tired of asking for permission. 
can I get a picture? So we decided, you know what? You're dressing up. You want the attention. You want to be photographed. And damn it, we're going to photograph you. We're mm-hmm. going we're gonna to get in there, too. So either Paul or I would kind of, what's it called? Um, we'd just grab them and say, hey, let's get a picture. Yeah, kind of photobomb a little bit. I think photo molest is probably. But the we were the ones taking term. the pictures, so yeah. photo molesting. If you look at the photos on our Instagram page, you'll see a lot of bewilderment of the people that we're taking pictures with. Like, what's happening? Um, now, my personal favorite, and did it make it to Instagram? Was the young man with the the Paul Walker oh, montage sure like collage T-shirt? You don't see those too often, Ian. Now, well, was it a tribute to me, Paul Walker's can I just say untimely something? death? Can I say something? I like Paul Walker as much as the next guy. Yeah, he wasn't the best actor. Let's let's call a spade a spade. Let's call, say it. let's call an ace an ace. Um, he wasn't the greatest actor, but I liked him. He had a charming quality to him, and and the legend lives on in this t-shirt that this young man was wearing. I mean, it we almost couldn't believe our eyes. It was a shirt with with literally dozens of Paul Walkers all over it from various movies and and and, and appearances. It was it was a masterpiece. This shirt sounds amazing. I wish it made it onto the Instagram it did. page. No, it didn't. I'm looking I don't at think it, it did. Right man. now. We'll get it on it's there. Not folks. On by, there. By, the time, by the time you hear this, it'll be on there. Do, folks, do you hear that thunder? Yes, we were recording during a thunderstorm. Kind of exciting. It's super exciting. So yeah, we kept. So tell the, me more. What else happened? Paul Walker T-shirt. Well, we got we got cosplayer butts. Him. What happened? Uh, not a ton of butts, but what? Um, well, Dom wasn't there. Dom's our butt picture guy. But we but we definitely uh, got a lot of photos with a lot of cosplaying that wasn't bad necessarily we just didn't know what it was a lot of the time we never do and shame on us because we do pride ourselves on being the comic book podcast in fairness if they were comic book characters cosplaying we would know right generally where we get stumped is with video game or obscure anime anime. right um yeah so we we struggled on a lot of it, but we got in there anyway. We got in there. We smiled for the camera. Um, Jason killed me in one of the pictures. That did make it on to Instagram. I'm was, surprised that like you made a, it back. An eight foot tall Jason. Well, you know, I was on. He just. It was just a flesh wound. So like I didn't. I didn't really understand the like. Eighteen foot tall Jason. Okay. Is that from something like? No. Or did some guy just... It's from I Have Stilts. A guy, a guy likes Jason from Friday the 13th, and he happened to have stilts, and he came up with this incredible amalgamation of uh, of horror and tallness and put it together, and... and I mean, We like witnessed... to call it Torr. <laughs> you witnessed the results. They were fabulous. <laughs> they were... Yeah. They were fabulous, I guess. Did you see I those there blocky some, hands thought, yeah, on that I character? Saw, I saw the whole thing. I thought there was something more to it. I was like, oh, this must be... You know, like when people dress up as Blue Jason because it's from the old NES game. Oh. Uh, like, I thought there was... Do they like, do that? 
I haven't seen that. That would be yet. cool if they did that. Did I think, they do yeah, that? well, my, there's, there have been like exclusive variant figures released of, of mm. that Jason. So I thought it was maybe some Jason from Friday the 13th lore that I don't know about that there's a fucking 10 foot tall Jason. Friday the 13th NBA Jam Edition? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, See, Gearbox, we do talk video games. Was there was there like a theme of the weekend? I know it's all it's called sci-fi Valley Con, but I never I don't really remember a lot of sci-fi ness from my times being there. I mean, there's some. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a dash of horror. I mean, they had the Impala from Supernatural there, which was pretty cool because they had the the trunk open on the car with all the weapons. However, cool. for for the discerning eye, for the for the purest. Supernatural fan like Paul, maybe even myself, we kind of had a little bit of a problem with the license plate that was on the car. Paul, was it not the Ohio license plate? Uh, no. I believe it's a. It wasn't. That's bullshit. Right. It was a they, fucking New York license plate. That's fucking bullshit. How much would it cost them to get any Ohio? Like as long as it's Ohio, it doesn't. I don't even know the license plate number. Just any Ohio plate would be fine. Right. Yeah, like. I don't. <clears throat> the cars had the Ohio CNK license plate for the longest time. I'm sure it's had others in the series, but it's had this fucking CNK Ohio plate for fucking ever. So they go through all the trouble with this with this Impala to get the trunk set up. They put the uh, devil's trap on the inside of the hood and everything. Mm -hmm. you know, all the weapons are laid out on the inside. And I never got a chance to go over and take my picture with it. I wanted, because it was like 15 bucks to take my picture with this car. And I didn't want to take a picture with the guy dressed as Bobby, who really looked like Bobby. Great job on the Bobby cosplay. Mm -hmm. I didn't need a picture with Bobby. I just wanted to like take a picture with the car. But once I saw that the license plate was messed up, you went through all the trouble putting this trunk together with all the trunk detail. Yeah. And then you fuck up the license plate. Right. And I understand the car is street legal you can drive it it's not just like something that goes on a flatbed and then goes from place to place but how difficult so it is a, to swap that license plate out for the con yeah I mean, when you get there you put the ohio license plate on you change them out so i i don't know maybe there's some deeper reason with these people that they needed needed the new york plate but authenticity man come on i agree get your shit together i agree Paul, did you have a highlight of the convention of the weekend? Oh, um, really should have prepared better uh, to be ready for this question. I think it's probably my highlight for every convention, but um, this one in particular was kind of being in the triumvirate of ourselves, um, our friends Dylan and Darcy who do uh, Heroes and Heroines, yeah. Birthday cosplay beside us. And then our friend Josh Bomber of Bombtron Art uh, across the aisle from us. Yeah. Um, nice $100 word, by the way. I'm trying to So, yeah, like being in, you know, being close to like friends was like really nice all weekend. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty nice. Like, uh, and it was, it was also really nice going out. Like, we were there last year. Last year, Sci-Fi Valley was our favorite convention. Uh, we had such a great time at Sci-Fi last year, and it was really, it was really cool 
getting to see uh, a lot of people that we met last year. Yeah. Um, Kathleen and Mara stopped back. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to see, you know, Gearbox again, who, you know, runs that show. And just a lot of the people that, you know, were out that way that we met last year and, you know, mm-hmm. stopped back and saw us again this year. It was a lot of fun. Matt, did you have a favorite Well, that's part a nice highlight. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, Uh-oh, here it comes. <laughs> I, I agree that the triumvirate Triumvirate. Triumvirate. How do you spell that? T R I U M V I R A T. Yeah, that. Of Heroes and Heroines, Bombtron Art, and of course the McSauce comic book podcast, or at least two thirds of it, um, being in this vicinity was, was great. It was a great way to spend long days at a convention because as fun as they are, there are those those minutes that it can drag sometimes. But being around such good friends and, and such great talent is is great. I mean, there's there's no substitute for um, quality people. So uh, that was great. But I I have to say the highlight for me uh, was the thing that that I feel like um, is going to stick with me probably forever, which was getting to have dinner with um with john morton and his wife and getting some uh some first-hand star wars stories on you know like what it was like to make the movie and everything which we got a little deeper in once we um interviewed him which we'll be playing here in a few minutes um now for the people out there that don't know who he is can you take him through a little bit you mentioned at the start that he was in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, John Morton was in the Empire Strikes Back. He had a small role. He was in the Battle of Hoth, um, and he was Luke's co-pilot. And he had the line, Paul. How does it go? Uh, how are How are you, sir? That's part of it. That <laughs> is part of it. You know what? I'm sorry. I asked. Is it? He, I feel like I could take on the Empire myself. You were closer on the second one, but both were still not right. Um, so Ian, why don't you why don't you take? I it? was gonna say it just like that. So Matt, <laughs> you're the one with the photographic and uh, what's uh, audiographic? Is that a word? <clears throat> sure. He said, Memory. "Feeling all right, sir." And and Luke close. said, "Luke was like, I'm awesome." <laughs> was he the guy that said, "What a player"? <laughs> and he said, "Just like new Dak. How about you?" And he goes, oh, I feel like I could take on the whole empire myself. Are you sure Dak didn't give him a fist bump and was like, blow it up? <laughs> and Luke like was that. like, Psh. They did one of those intricate NBA or Macasau handshakes. Mm-hmm. Can't help it that I have cool handshakes. I mean, that's just my thing. Did you but... give any of the Sci-Fi Valley Con uh, patrons a... Very detailed handshake. No, however, I I do have a worse moment of the convention. Mm. This wasn't a handshake. This was even more invasive than an awkward handshake. It was when a a particular nerd came up to our table. And you know who you are if you're (laughs) listening, fella. Because I don't remember your name, but I do remember one thing about you. I remember when you spit in my eye. Oh. <laughs> there was a moment when we had we had table challenges uh, where you had to do like a challenge to basically get um, in the form of bottle caps. Like um, they were referred cr- to as quests. Quests. You had to you had to achieve these because quests. because it's the con quest. 
Right, and right. you would you would do the ch- the quest, and you would get a bottle cap as your as your, and then you could go, award. You could go trade the bottle caps in for raffle tickets and put exactly. it in for a bunch of free stuff donated by the artists to the convention. So, being the uncreative lot that we are, we ask people to essentially do do an impression of Batman for me, and and the people that struggled with it, Is I was that just what like, we settled on? seriously. What was the what was the best impression of Batman? Um, give me my cookies or yes. something. <laughs> give me those cookies. Give me those cookies. <laughs> yeah, we got that. And I, I mean, she, it, it was some girl and she sounded okay, but I mean, the line was, give me those cookies. <laughs> we were like, what the fuck? <laughs> Does Batman say that? I don't know. Yeah, that's I was super like, weird. must be in Brave and the Bold. Yeah, know. that's super weird. So You we, have so many options that you can go with. You can do Adam West, you can do some... Val Kilmer Batman if you wanted that's the thing like we were asking people to to moonwalk or do an impression of Batman or an impression of Scooby Doo did we ever show our age by asking young people to do the moonwalk oh boy well like, I really should have went but we were, but we were two only cents getting, with these conquests. Holy fuck. Yeah, I, well, did this convention happen in 1980? Asked, and then what did, I got fucking crickets. I said, well, because I wasn't going to be the one that was going to have to ask the patrons to do things. I didn't want to do anything. But you guys were like, do the fucking... Suck my dick. <laughs> do, do the twist, kids. <laughs> Jesus Christ, guys. What the fuck were I you thinking? The, the moonwalk. Moon moon nobody knows who Michael Jackson is anymore. Well, Fucking, a lot of people did, but clearly not as many people as we wanted. <laughs> but yeah, like with do do an impression of Batman, like we didn't get any variation. Same with impression of Scooby Doo, like everyone was raggy, like everyone except one person did like and I was like, holy fuck, you get like ten, you like ten caps. Yeah. And same with Batman, like no one brought us some Adam West shit because even Kevin Conroy. Well, maybe I think one person did the like. I am darkness. I am the night. Because actually, uh, everybody's were, doing the Pete Holmes, like Funny or Die, Batman. Ma- no, mainly we got I'm Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's cool. Or yeah. swear to me. Got a yeah, bit swear of, to me. He doesn't um, have any friends. Shit like that. But, like they're all doing Christian Bale. Right, but th- it was funny when you would ask a young person to do the moonwalk, and they would just take these big. Like slow motion steps forward as if they were on the moon. I was like, oh my god, they have no idea what the moonwalk is. You guys are terrible. So You're that right was one past but, me. But going back to this this dork that spit in my eye. Like I'm telling you. So he, I asked him to do Flare a Batman. Me. I asked him to do a Batman impression, and he, you know, did like I'm Batman. And I was like, okay, here's your bottle cap. Go away. And instead, he was like, I, I'll do another one. I got another one. And I don't remember what he said because I lost my mind because it was like the sequence in 28 Days Later when the blood drop hits the guy right in the eyeball and then he turns into a rabid zombie. That's right? weird because you turn into a nerd, so right. I see. A rabid nerd. Um, and he's, he does the impression and I, and I can see it. I see the spittle from the tip of his mouth fly all the way this was like in slow motion but i couldn't like dodge out of the way in time and it's it's coming across the table right at my face and i feel like my eyes got bigger as it came closer (laughs) and it hit me in the eye It, it, it hit me in the eye not on my eyelash not on my eyelid not right under my eye it hit me on the fucking eyeball this is this is nerd juice out of his mouth on my eye 
You and, just had a big peach. And I, and I like... <laughs> have you guys ever watched like a porno movie where a girl takes it on the face and she acts all surprised? That was me. And, and, and I quickly turned my head... Do you guys have surprise? I feel like it all the No, I feel like... Eager. Yeah, they're, they're like, give it to me, Daddy. Uh, drown me in your loads. <laughs> That's what I watch. This Maybe. is why This is why Ryan McCormick listens. <laughs> to hear you say things like that, then he plays it back later for himself. <laughs> you're watching... Don't <laughs> give this to him. Much like your moonwalk request, you're watching shy 80s porno. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Maybe I've seen more than you. I don't know, but... I <laughs> don't think so. <laughs> but... But I'm telling you, I've seen it where like the girls just like no, like, they're, they're like their their eyes are closed though, and they're mm. just wait, and then like it happens and it startles. It's like, bitch, what you think was gonna happen? What did you think was gonna happen when you signed up for this? That's what <laughs> when you sign up for Sci-Fi Valley Con, we're a we're a visor. Yeah, seriously. Yep. So and then I turn my head and I'm like. I, I kept talking a little bit, but we both knew what just happened. <laughs> I'm so and, mad I missed this. Fuck, man. He, he knew. No it was uh, it was white. Like it it just uh, it was fresh, fresh from the source. And, and, and I and I shut it. Was, was, like, like, was like, listen, listen. <laughs> and then I just shut him down at that point. I I was not listening anymore. All right, anymore. Dork, get out of right. here. And then he kind of went away. And I saw him later. I actually saw him walking on the side of the road, like at, like on the highway after the con. I was like, that's the guy that spit in my eye. Matt, it's I was driving and Matt pulled the wheel to the right <laughs> out of my hands. And we committed manslaughter on the way home. Uh, as you should have. I was, talking cool. to, I was at the table when all that happened. I was talking to someone else. And as soon as it happened, like Matt was unconsolable. Like, I was... Because, like, Matt's, like, pulling at my sleeve. He's like, can you believe this? This just happened to me. He just spit in my eye. And I'm like, Matt, I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> I'll see you your fucking so, spit eye in a minute. Somebody was like, I really like that Ninja Turtles print. How much is that? And Matt's like, somebody spit my face! <laughs> <laughs> Did he it? It was horrible. I'm telling you. I'm going to get a dork what some fucking mop top headed yeah, like, nerd with a Zelda shirt? Although you have a Zelda shirt, but um, with some Zelda shirt and a beer belly spit in your eye. By the way, like twelve years old. Why does he have a beer belly? But he's if I, you would be the same way. You missed it. Ian. I, you I missed yeah. It. It's, that sounds, so that was dude. Good. Honestly. I wish that I could be there to see Listen, a dork spitting that time. Holy was, fuck. That's cool. That was the low light. The highlight was John Morton because he was insightful. He was classy. He was he was just great to talk to. And he didn't spit in my eye. Yeah, like, John John Morton was a guest of, um, of the convention. You know, he was part of the handful of, you know, famous people up in the, the guest like celebrity section yeah and um our friends uh gina and bobby run with the 501st 501st legion or rebel legion five i, I both of, both of them rebel alliance Garrison Karita, like and yeah, all that star wars dress up cosplay stuff not to be condescending <laughs> well i i can never remember which one's which but you I know make what I'm believe so dress our up. friends uh our friends were up they had their Big table set up next to John Morton's set up, and John Morton was in Star Wars. They do 
tons of Star Wars cosplay. So naturally, it was, uh, it was a match made in heaven for them up there. So um, Gina invites us out to dinner, and she's like, "Hey, you know, we're going to, we're you know, we're going to the sports bar down the road. You guys ought to come out. John Morton's coming with us." And I'm like, "Oh, well, that's you know, pretty." But is John Morton, John Morton really gonna come with you know us, dorks, to to uh, dinner? So we get we so we get we go to dinner to meet them just to, cause they're friends. We want to hang out with our friends regardless of whether John Morton was gonna be there or not. And there were two seats left. There were four seats left open, and two were for Matt and I. And um, <clears throat> so I'm going to sit down, and I hadn't seen John Morton up until this point. Like, I saw him in The Empire Strikes Back, but I didn't see him at the convention. Right, we had no idea what he really looked like. So, Matt and, I go, Matt and I go around the table, we're going to sit down, and uh, uh, this guy that, that was sitting next to me, he's like, oh, I, th- I thought this was for Bobby's parents. He's like, Bobby, are, are your parents coming to sit here? And Bobby said something, and someone else said, you guys just sit there. So, Matt and I sit down. You know, we, So, Matt and I order a couple shots, get a couple beers, and then all of a sudden... These two older people come in, and they're looking for a place to sit. And I was like, "Oh shit, it's Bobby's parents. We're in Bobby's parents' seats." So like, I I looked down at Bobby, and I was like, "Bobby, are these your parents?" Hey, Bobby, it's your mom. So and like to the rest of you know Star Wars Nation at the table, like I'm pretty sure I heard an audible gasp from everyone that I didn't realize this was the great. John Morton and his wife Gail and Bobby gave me fucking daggers and he goes that's John Morton and I was like oh fuck and then I looked at him and I was like oh yeah that is that is John Morton but I didn't call him Bobby's dad to his face so John Morton and his wife sat down across from Matt and I we had a nice dinner we had a nice talk with nice non-nerd talk with John Morton and his wife Gail who was fucking awesome like, she was super... We talked more at dinner with his wife than we did with John Morton. That's and true. she was such a cool lady to talk to. Uh, she had... Um, John Morton had some great perspectives on things, too. But being someone that was completely from the outside of uh, Star Wars fandom and not directly involved. Like, hearing um, her take on, when, on the late 90s upkick of Star Wars and, you know, when all of those bit players really became huge celebrities in, in, in the Star Wars world, Star Wars world, you know, like hearing her perspective was so interesting. It was so neat. Right. Um, and there was, I, I, there was a, the, the point that I, that really, that Matt really drove home from me was, uh, there was one point where John, John and Gail were sitting there, everybody was talking and Matt just kind of, kind of leans over to me and goes, Hey, we're having dinner with someone that was in our favorite movie. And as soon as Matt said that, like, the the situation hit me. I was like, holy fuck, that's true. <laughs> We're having dinner across from a guy that was in The Empire Strikes Back. Like, someone we recognized, <clears throat> not, not like... Yeah, Bobby's dad aside. <laughs> You're right. I mean, like, no, but we know what character it was. He had a name, he had lines, he was in it. We know that fucking character. I mean... Some of us here at the McSauce Comic Book Podcast can even recite all of his lines verbatim. <laughs> but, like, he wasn't just some dude dressed as a Gamorrean guard and, you know, oh yeah, he was in it. Which, 
Coincidentally, Ian, did you know that John Morton also played Boba Fett in one of the sequences in The Empire Strikes Back? I did not know that. Well, That's now a you know. Nugget that you would get from the interview, I'm sure. Uh, you know, it. I believe it is in there. And don't worry, folks, hang in there. We will play it for you. But I think it's in there, but he kind of glosses over it. It's so matter-of-factly. Um, so you'll have to see if you can catch it in, in the interview. But what I can tell you is it was the sequence where um, Lando, Darth Vader, and Boba Fett were all standing outside of the room where Han was being tortured. And um, that's when Boba Fett... Actually, I don't think he said anything there. I think Vader just said, you may take He's Captain right. Solo to Jabba the Hutt, blah, blah, blah. Right? Um, isn't that when Boba Fett says, what happens if he dies? He's no good to me dead. Is, is that um, I think he said that at the that? carbon freezing chamber. He's worth a lot to me. I thought yeah. he had some line in that hallway. I think he said... You, you could be Matt, right. you know, you'd know best. No, no, I think I, he actually, said, cool beans. <laughs> he gave him fist bumps to blow this up, Lando. <laughs> so, anyway, he was, was, he was like, in that sequence. Playboy, check out this handshake. But, yeah, I mean, th- that was that Did was. we the just moment. make Boba Fett black? No, I made Lando black. Shit. Isn't he already? Blacker. No. But that... Paul, that was the moment where, like, even when I said it, it was like, oh, fuck, this is really cool. This is really, yeah. like, you know, I'm kind of starting to feel a little like I'm geeking out on the inside, but you got to play it cool on the outside because that's the balance you have to do. And you get starstruck when you're around those celebs. you got to try to play it cool. I know from personal experience, you got to try to play it cool. I don't always succeed. I've seen I've, you play it cool. I've had one or two awkward brushes with fame, as have been documented here on the McSauce Com podcast, but uh, this one I played cool, Paul. I did. Yeah, you you were great. Uh, if so long as McSauce is doing celebrity interviews, you're the guy to hold the reins and get it done. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, without further ado, Paul, why don't we lead right into that interview? And um, well, we'll be back in a few minutes. I'm Matt, and I'm here with Paul from McSauce, and we are at the Altoona Sci-Fi Valley Con in lovely Altoona, PA, and John Morton, a.k.a. Dak from The Empire Strikes Back, was generous enough to sit with us for a few minutes and answer some questions, and um, John, so this is your first time to Altoona. First time, and I um, got to take a little tour last night before I had dinner with you all. And went to the cathedral and sat with uh, Todd Allen, who uh, is a local artist around here, and got a real good download on the history of this area, and it's fascinating. Well, you probably have a, a richer knowledge than we do at this point, because we didn't do any sightseeing. We just went bowling. But um, So being your first time here, what drew you to Altoona? What made you want to come to this particular convention? Well, I, I, I like going to new places around the country, and what's really neat uh, when you're doing the Star Wars conventions, or even sci-fi when there's a Star Wars component, is meeting folks in the Mandalorian Mercs, uh, the Rebel Legion, and the 501st. And so, last night, as you know, you all gathered uh, with the Rebel Legion and the Garrison Carita, the 501st, and we just sort of had a download on what everybody does. But, you know, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm kind of a guy that's really interested in 
geography and just getting around and meeting people, find out what makes a, a region tick. And so all of that stuff, which is sort of offline, is, is always very interesting to me. So I got to learn a little bit about the history of the railroads around here and, you know, that kind of stuff. That's pretty cool. Now, have you been all over the United oh, States yeah. then? Yeah, and Europe. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I haven't done the Far East. Uh, a lot of guys like Jeremy Bullock, you know, who was the real Boba Fett, I did one, one day as uh, Boba Fett called Bespin Boba, where he says to Darth Vader, he's no good to me dead. But uh, Jeremy has been over to Japan, I think, several times in right. Australia. And a lot of other guys like Kenny Baker and Peter Mayhew and others have done the Far East. I've been to the Far East, but not with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And then Jeremy, I know, has done um, a fair amount in Latin America. And he just came back from uh, Moscow uh, when I saw him in Carlisle down the road here. We did a, a charity gig in Carlisle, Pennsylvania about three or four weeks ago which was fabulous. And he and Maureen had just come back from Moscow. So you see, when you're working in Star Wars, you're, you're going all, all over the world, really. Well, I think you'd have done as much traveling if you weren't involved with Star Wars? Certainly to the United States. I mean, I'm kind of a bi-coastal guy. Um, my dad was in the Navy, I was in the Navy, and so I, I know the West Coast pretty well, and I know the East Coast. And, and it's terrible, you know, as an American, not to be familiar with, you know, what you know the what they call the flyover states. Yeah. And I feel very privileged that I get to travel and go to places like Cleveland, Indianapolis, Lexington, Kentucky, Louisville, Dallas, um, no. Lake, Lake Charles, Louisiana, and the Bayou Country. I mean, I don't think I ever would have been there if I hadn't gone down to Bayou Con, which was fascinating. Boy, they're into the paranormal down there, man. I can tell you. I'd love to go down. A lot there of ghostbusters. Some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty strange. <laughs> now I know that you Fun. said that uh, that you've been all over, and normally you like to travel by car if you can. So have yeah, you? No, I wouldn't say that. I'm not really. I, I like you know. I, you know, if I had my choice, I like trains and and ships. Oh. Planes and cars are boring, man. You just gotta <laughs> sit in a chair. Years ago, I took the train from Pittsburgh to Denver. Well, there you go. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget it. It's such a fun trip. I went from Pittsburgh to Philly, too. Yeah. And it's great to, just to kick back and watch the scenery go by and relax. So, Paul, you're a train, train man, huh? I guess so. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I've never been on a train myself really? outside of the, the train at Kennywood, but uh, no, I've never traveled by train. Um, my parents go to Florida every year, and they take a train, and they're like, hey, why don't you come and take the train? I, you should do it. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a, like a 36-hour trip, though. So? It's you know, a cool experience. Take, take a book, you know, you know, take your eye, whatever a, you a book. listen to your music with. A, a John Morton written well, I'm hoping, piece? Yeah, we talked about that last night. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a piece for um, Star Wars Insider as a, you know, short story. And I'm working on it right now, and it's Dak's backstory. I'm glad you mentioned that. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> and it's supposed to be in the 40th anniversary issue of Star Wars Insider. And, and what, I think that's coming out in November. But November. My, my deadline is in uh, July, but don't hold me to it. I'm, they're a little vague. We, we won't hold you to that. Yeah. So <clears throat> getting into the, uh, the Star Wars stuff, and you're writing a Dax story, um, do you feel ownership of that character? Do you feel like he is your character at this point? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I doubt that we'll see Dak in any other 
films, but who knows? Maybe if uh, the story builds a following, uh, and there is a following in terms of the, the, the line that's associated with it. Right. But I should say, uh, I've always mentioned that there is a Norwegian extra who actually took the bullet for me um, in the scene actually in Hoth, or, or the exterior stuff, uh, where they were filming in Norway before I came aboard. Okay. So I knew that I died when I arrived on the set, and there was a Norwegian extra that, that did it. And so anytime a Norwegian comes to my table, I'd say, hey, find me this guy who was in Finza, because the Star Wars aficionados would want his autograph, yeah. like they do for all the Boba Fett's. Right now, well, I got a, I got a, I got a tweet about uh, a couple months ago from some guy, you know, who said, hey, we found you. Oh guy. wow. And I said, hey, you know, put him in contact with me. I'll see if I can get him on the convention circuit. He can be my brother. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, no, I'm quite willing to share that. That's uh, really cool. So now, can be the Dak family was, like the Boba Fett family. Was it, was it your voice, the, no. the scream? I don't, when? Know, I don't know who, who, who that was. Okay. I, the only voiceover uh, actor that I know that was working this was Jason Wingren who was doing Boba Fett in the original and then they retooled it um, in one of the re-releases um, with uh, Tim Morrison who was Jango right. Fett right. So, they, they, so he's got in the new versions the voice of Boba Fett is Tim right. but the original guy is Jason and I have to tell you that the real Boba Fett fans they want autographs from all of us. So as often as you'll see my autograph with Jeremy's and Dickie Beer, who does the stunts, you'll see uh, Jason Wingren up there, you know, voice of Boba. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, he died last year, and I never got a chance I'll to meet that. him. But he was in his 90s. I mean, this guy been wow. around. Wow, so that's a good run. Good run, yeah. And he was pretty uh, pretty famous as a voiceover. Yeah, I always kind of appreciated how deep and thorough Star Wars fans get with yeah. wanting to know the real nuts and bolts behind all of that. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty scary because you know, they expect you to know. Yeah. Well, you were, you were saying some stuff last night. I mean, you know backstories and you've read some of the expanded universe, so you know your stuff. Um, yeah, but not like some of these fans. I mean, I know one woman who's who writes for uh, Toshi Station, yeah. uh, or she podcasts. Uh, her name is Bria Lavorna, and uh, she claims that she's read every Star Wars novel that's ever been written in short story. And that would be in the hundreds. She's, you know, so if you ever wanted to do, uh, you know, a, a test, <laughs> I think she's the Mensa, Mensa woman of the EU. Well, I was pretty impressed with your, with your knowledge when you started pulling out references from the old TSR role-playing books, and I was like, wow, that's going, like, super old school, because that was before the Internet, right? That's, that was our, our encyclopedia to the expanded universe. So, um, well, That was our way to get more Star Wars once there weren't any more after 83. Right, during kind of those, those down years. That's exactly right. I think the Star Wars fandom kept itself going, you know, with, with all of this stuff in between, you know, the old uh, original trilogy and the prequels. So the the Star Wars scene kind of exploded again in the mid to late 90s? It would appear. Now, I have to be honest with you, I was completely out of it from when I left show business and getting into PR and journalism. And um, 
I really didn't get back into it until the time of the re-releases, uh, which was 97. And then suddenly I found that there was this huge universe of Star Wars fans out there, and they actually wanted me. And everybody, you know. They thought I was dead, actually. <laughs> Because they hadn't heard from me. Yeah, you had you'd kind of told that story last night. Could you tell that story again? How actually, I think your wife told the story. How how some fandom actually thought you were dead. Well, I think the um, Star Wars Insider uh, did a piece in '96 or something called Rebel Pilot Reunion, and they went and profiled all of us. And when they got down to John Morton, um, they said something like, uh, "He died." <laughs> so we won't be able to get him back. And uh, there was a fellow in Baltimore who you know, I knew who was about 13 at the time and happened to see this and um, on the playground. He said, well, I know where Dak is. He's, he, he lives in Annapolis. So word got back to me through Gail um, that there's a magazine out there and... Uh, that, that's talking about me. So I call, I didn't know much about the internet then. This was 97. So I called up a friend of mine who was really computer savvy. And he said, hey, yeah, we can find out what this is all about. So he dug around, and then about three or four days later, this was my first glimmer of it. You know, you guys were part of something that was huge. He said, John, I'm going to have to spend a little bit more time about this. And I said, well, why, Roger? And he said, I've stumbled onto something like 1,400 websites that deal with Star Wars. And I think I'm going to begin with one that seems to be pretty good that's affiliated with Texas A&M because college kids are you know, usually on the money. And so he tracked down, this was the force.net. And they, they said, they said, oh, well, we'll tell you who's trying to find you if we can get an interview with you first. And so Roger passed that off to me, and so I consented to a telephone interview, and they gave, they, they did a wonderful feature on me. And they said, well, it's actually the Lucasfilm publication, Star Wars Insider. But, uh, so I called them up, and then they said, we want to do a story about you. So it's, you know, DAC attack, I think it was called. <laughs> and they profiled me, and then suddenly I started doing the fan circuit. It was pretty cool. That, that is pretty cool. And it, has it just pretty much not stopped since then? Well, I did a lot of work on the circuit from 97 to 2003, and at that time I was working really intensely in, in Washington, D.C., and so I, uh, I, I, I raised money for children's charities like Make-A-Wish and what have you, and then when things got really busy for me, I stopped in 2003, really busy, and I, um, I didn't get back into it until 2010, and uh, so now I go out pretty routinely about 10 times a year. I know that you were kind of getting into your, your military background a little bit, and um, I think you had mentioned that you're going to try to bring some of uh, your, your knowledge in that, in that area to some of the stuff that you're writing. Um, and I found it especially interesting that, um, that your character is involved in what I feel is the most kind of militaristic battle in all of Star Wars, if that makes sense. Like, it felt like real warfare to me. Mm -hmm. There were trenches, 
Uh, I felt like the lingo that was used during that the Battle of Hoth was kind of real. It was kind of immersive in that way. And uh, I think that's a lot of people's favorite battle in all of Star Wars. And um, I, I find it interesting or ironic that, that you were kind of a part of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, given, given how cool that was and, and your background, I, I'm really looking forward to, like, what you bring with, uh, with your writing to, um, to Star Wars because I, I felt like some of the battles, maybe in the prequels, kind of lost that, um, that immersion, that, that realness. Um, I didn't feel like some of the language they were using, I wasn't buying it sometimes. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. Well, if I can riff on it for uh, a little, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of uh, complexity into the difference between you know, the original trilogy and, uh, and the prequels. And we talked last night about CGI. And so some of the problems, I think, with the CGI was that it was all about robots and you, know, you didn't have the human dimension. And George elected to have sort of, you know, grand, uh, you know, long shots of thousands or tens of thousands of robots fighting. And you weren't in there seeing the close hand-to-hand combat. And, and there was no... There was no um, humanity to any of that, so mm-hmm. it, it, it couldn't really engage you. It was almost a spectacle. In the case of The Empire Strikes Back, um, one of the things that people don't really know uh, is uh, there were three or four directors in that film. You had the director of record, which was Irving Kirshner. Right. You had George Lucas coming in periodically and directing certain things. He directed me in some of the stuff. Um, you also had Dave Tomlin, who was the first assistant. If you were, you know, using a second unit or what have you, he and he was a very capable uh, man, a, a, a real giant in the business. Probably the best first assistant ever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I can give you reasons why I say that. I've written it. And then you had this guy, Gary Kurtz. Now, Gary Kurtz was the executive producer um, for the first two films. Lovely guy. Gary Kurtz was a conscientious objector during the Vietnam War. And um, when he got drafted, he went into the Marine Corps and became a combat cameraman. See where I'm going? Yes. He became a combat cameraman and was in Vietnam. So Gary was a guy who had seen war up real close. And uh, he, he brought a lot of that to the table. Um, and there were intense discussions uh, on the set and backstage uh, about the treatment of violence uh, in Empire Strikes Back. They didn't want to glorify it but they wanted to render it realistically. And Kurtz had a lot to do with that. Interesting. So that aspect that you just picked up on is kind of interesting. And it didn't have Kurtz in the mix uh, for the uh, for the uh, prequels. Right. So he's an unsung hero in that respect, in my regard. Uh, a lot more attention should be given, I think, to Gary and the work that he did in, in shaping Sure. The quality of those first two films. Do you know why he wasn't involved in Return of the Jedi? 
Well, he was wanting to move off into doing other things of his own. Uh-huh. You know, they, you know, all those guys kind of came out of uh, Hollywood at the same time, um, and they were they were fighting against the Hollywood system in the late '60s and early '70s. And so Gary and Steven Spielberg and Francis Ford Coppola and John Milius and, and George Lucas, they were all part of that. And they were all kind of, you know, had their own, you know, filmmaking as an auteur sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So there was a, coll- there were, you know, kind of interlacing collaborations. And Hollywood wasn't ready for that, and so they were kind of doing their own thing. So Gary went off and did, I'm trying to remember the name, but they were fantasy pictures. Okay. You know, uh, I want to, it's not the sword and the stone, but it was, you know, if you look it up on Google or IMDb, you'll see what his credits were. So he, he kind of wanted to go his own way. <clears throat> and I have to be honest, you know, what I was trying to do was, uh, you know, Star Wars was uh, was kind of a job for me, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, my, I, I didn't get as much involved in it in the four weeks that I was there because I was—I had a film in development, um, and I was set as soon as I got off of Star Wars to go off to um, New Orleans to do location work to you know, reconfigure a story I'd written about a, a scene in London. Um, and, uh, producer named Elliot Kastner said, "I like this. We want to do it, but we want to do it in New Orleans." So. My mind was kind of all wrapped around what I was trying to do. Star Wars was kind of a means to an end. Mm-hmm. So that's a dirty little secret. But that's kind of honest about you know where everybody is. You know, we we got our own little direction of things we want to do, and mm-hmm. we come together for collaborations and then go off in another direction. So I think that kind of explains a bit about Gary. The thing about Gary and George, they were very close friends and collaborators, uh, but Gary was very much more interested in the spiritual because of his, his faith. I think he, you know, Mark Hamill said he was a, he was a Quaker at the time. Uh, when I've run into him, I, I get the sense that, he was a, that he's more into Buddhism and what have you. But if you look at the pictures of Kurtz uh, during Empire Strikes Back, he looks like a Quaker. He's got that sort of beard that comes down, but no mustache, and that's quite John, a lot of the a lot of the actors when the original Star Wars came out had no idea what they were getting themselves into. But when you were cast for Empire Strikes Back, were you prepared for any kind of, you know? Uh, and I, I think you know you have to remember I was part of a group of uh, what we called North American actors. And I say North American very purposefully because some were Canadian and some were Americans, Yanks. And so you didn't, you know, it was, um, you had kind of a sensibility that, you know, you didn't assume everybody was an American. You said, oh, what part of North America are you from? They said, well, I'm Canadian. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. So, but there was about 200 of us. Some, not so many actresses, but uh, some actually quite famous. Um, and so we were all part of kind of a scene in London, and, and the focus of the actors in London, whether they're American, Canadian, or, or Brit, is pretty much on theater. So the orientation is to the London theater and the stage work, and the films are sort of a bonus, yeah, that you make a lot of money off of. Not many people think of themselves as film actors first unlike in Hollywood. So, our focus was all kind of on London. And so when Star Wars first arrived, um, 
in 76 uh, for the shooting, I knew one guy, uh, Anthony Forrest, who was the uh, the guy in the scenes in uh, Tatooine who says, uh, or Mos Eisley, you know, these aren't the droids we're looking for. Tony's a Canadian, and I worked with him on A Bridge Too Far, and he told me about this thing called Star Wars, and he and many others were saying, man, this was a joke. They didn't know what they were doing, you know, things were falling apart, there was a sandstorm, you know, it was a real, it was just a turkey. And so the buzz was, you know, you had these crazy Yanks that came over with a little bit of money and were doing this goofy sci-fi film. And so for, for a year or two, and I, in fact, I, I, I knew socially Anthony Daniels um, before this all broke. And um, I remember at some cocktail parties chatting to him about it. And I said, oh, I don't know, I'm playing this robot. <laughs> Who knows what's going on? I mean, it's kind of a jerk joke. Um, and then, of course, it broke over here in the States. May 4th, 1977, and the thing just went crazy. Well, we were aware of this in in, the, in, in England, but okay, you know, it, you know, it's just like Jaws or yeah. Close Encounters of a Third Time or of a Third Kind. <coughs> so when I arrived on the set, you know, I just saw it as another big budget American film. I'd done Superman, and. Um, you know, I didn't see it. Then when Hamill and I would have lunch together every day for about four weeks because our schedules were the same, and he and I had a lot in common. His dad was in the Navy, my dad was in the Navy. And Mark said to me it was going to be nine films. Later, Lucas was saying it was going to be 12. You know, who knows? So there was an awareness that it was going to be part of a series you know, like the old Flash Gordons and whatever, so it would be around. But no, we didn't have any any sense that it was going to be big. Well, when Empire Strikes Back came out, um, yeah, okay, something's going on. And I remember um, two things. A guy giving me a, 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 a tops card in England with that picture of Mark and, and me in the, in the snow speeder. And it said uh, something like Luke with Dak or with Dak. And I said, Hey, you're you know you got a you got a you got a baseball card. Oh, that's kind of interesting. And then when I got to New York in '82 or '83, a guy that I worked with uh, when I was in between jobs at Barnes and Noble said, Hey, you're part of the Star Wars trivia. The Star Wars trivia game is what's the name of the actor who played Dak Rouser? Oh, well, that's interesting. But I was, I didn't, so I didn't really know. But, you know, there were hints. But it wasn't really until 1997 that I got to, I realized that, wait a minute, there's a lot going on here. I know now. So you had lunch with Mark Hamill every day for about four weeks. Um, were there any other uh, notable Star Wars alum that um, that you interacted with uh, on set? Um, any any funny stories from that? Nah, not really. I mean, it was all kind of business. Um, you know, I think the only people that really joked around were the big three. I mean, you know, they were they, they were returning alumni, if you will. Uh, all of us were. You know, kind of. You know, I don't 
don't think we'd have the chutzpah to joke around. Um, but at you know, Mark frequently Dave Prouse would join us. Uh, there was a dear friend of mine who was a rebel pilot who would come in. Um, Eugene Lipinski, Canadian guy, um, and then uh, Chris Malcolm, who played Zev. Chris was known, I, I, I worked on the Rocky Horror Show, the stage show, and Chris was the original Brad, you know, and so I knew him through, uh, through stage work, and so he would join us, so they were off and on, you know, you know sitting at the table with us for lunch. But uh, I had a lot of interaction with Billy Dee, when I was doing the two scenes at, uh, as Boba Fett and um, got to know him. Um, you know, I met Carrie and uh, obviously was introduced to, to Harrison, but I can't say that I had much time with him, if anything at all, other than a hi. Nice to meet you. Uh, but I had a lot of buddies that I'd worked with on other films previously. John Ratzenberger uh, and Jack McKenzie were the two rebel officers, uh, Major Durlin and Cal, can't remember what his last name was, Alder, Alder. They were two officers you see in, in, in and around. Um, Peter, obviously, Kenny, um, guy named Norman Chancer. He, he was a rebel pilot. So you had known a lot of these guys going in. Oh yeah, so and, it was a and I knew I knew the first assistant, Dave Prow, uh, Dave um, Tomlin, and uh, the two second assistants, uh, Steve Lanning and Roy Button. We'd worked on four films. So going in, it was already a pretty comfortable atmosphere. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I actually try this announcement again. Apparently, we had some technical difficulties. So. I actually uh, met Kenny Baker one, once before, um, and he was quite a character. Um, and, and I'll always remember it because after we were done meeting, he said to me, I hope your hair gets better. <laughs> um, and I think Paul actually has kind of a, a funny uh, interaction with Kenny, too. Yeah, yeah he, at the first comic convention I was ever at, Kenny Baker was, was signing autographs. But I, it was my first one. I didn't know you know, anything from anything. So I thought Kenny Baker was just sitting at the table, signing autographs, handing out pictures, and I walked past, I was like, oh, hey, Kenny Baker. He's like, hey, you want an autograph? I was like, yeah, sure. So he, you know, signs signs me the autograph, and I go to walk away, and he's like, hey, kid, 25 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad, I was like, oh, man, I'm out of my element right now. Did you did you pay the 25? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not that stiff Kenny Baker. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's the droid you were looking for, right? <laughs> um, so, John, to, just to kind of wrap it up, um, how would you summarize um, your Star Wars experience? Um, how, like, if you had to use one word, what, what word would that be? I'd say meaningful. Um, and I wouldn't have said that at the time, uh, but you know, over the course of you know, re-engaging with the Star Wars family uh, 20 years ago, um, I count myself as a Star Wars ambassador, and I think, as I said in my little toast to you all uh, last night, I think most, most well, I, I think I can speak for all of us. Uh, we recognize that there's something quite um, sincere and uh, humbling about Star Wars that uh, 
is good for everybody. And um, in that respect, it's a tribute to, to George Lucas and uh, Gary Kurtz and others. Uh, as they, they set the bar of the way things should be in the way they managed people so that you had, they looked after everybody, um, everybody was gung-ho for each other, believed in what they were doing and, and the way they interacted with folks. And that kind of stuff generates from the top down. If you got a bunch of guys that are uh, only in it for money or greed or power or fame and you know, sort of shallow purposes, mm -hmm. selfish, it shows. And I've worked on a lot of films that are like that. But Star Wars, I like to say, Star Wars kind of proves that not only small is beautiful. I usually think small is beautiful. You know, big corporations and what have you, you know, screw things up. This one broke the mold. And my favorite story is always this tea lady who is, I don't know, probably in her 60s. Maybe she was younger than I am now. But, uh, <laughs> She was this lovely little woman who was passing around a tea cart. And she looked at everybody straight in the eye and she said, oh, you having fun? Isn't it wonderful, daughter? I have a fancy cup of tea. Isn't it just marvelous? And, you know, it's like the guy cleaning up the elephant dung at the circus. Right? If he's happy, there's something going on here. And the people who were cleaning up the elephant dung around the set weren't giving you this union contract work to real stuff. They were really into it. And the people were all, they, they picked people that were working on the film crews and everything that were good people that knew what they were doing and, um, and also knew how to, how to be the best to get things done that was larger than self. I, mean, I, 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 think, I think Lucas kind of set that up. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that his, um, that's probably going to be his, his legacy. I mean, uh, there's so much to pull from, but uh, just the, the culture that he created, I think, and, and like you said, it kind of trickled down to everyone involved is amazing. And, and what's equally amazing is now there's a new generation that's running with it, and it seems like they're doing it... Uh, with really the same class that you guys did it with and um, even more so I think uh, actually Matt because you know the men and women that are running the show now like Pablo Hidalgo and uh, Dave Filoni they were playing with Star Wars action figures in the sandbox when they were right. five right. kind of inventing their own stories so in other words they grew up believing in what they were doing and were some that decided not to go and do something else like sell insurance but you know so in other words what better people to you know husband the legacy than guys that, and gals who were kids playing Star Wars right and they can now write stories and make executive decisions in their 30s and 40s <laughs> with that kind of life experience. Absolutely. So it's not just a kid's game, but it's kind of like, well, okay, now, we're, now we see the way the world works. What do we want to say about that in view of what we've learned from Star, the Star Wars mythos? To give you a little bit of academic. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
John, thank you for taking the time today. This was an absolute pleasure. Um, and I can speak for all the fans of McSauce. We really appreciate it. So, nice uh, yeah. Thanks. And uh, just just to recap, hopefully this November you have your, your short story for Dak coming out uh, in Star Wars Insider. Uh, it, what issue number is that again? I'm not sure. They they told me it would be the 40th anniversary issue. The 40th anniversary issue. That, I'm not sure if I... They've said we want to have it ready by November. I don't know what that means because I would think the 40th anniversary issue would be in May because that, wouldn't that be the 40th anniversary of... Yeah, yeah. Right. The release of... So. I don't. I can't say. We'll keep our for sure. We'll keep our eyes out Please for do. it. Uh, obviously, we'll be reading it, and uh, we hope to see even more stuff from you well, in the future. I, I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's great. And uh, may the force be with you. Thank you. Thanks, man. So there it is. A very enjoyable interview with John Morton. Really cool to be able to sit down at the convention and talk to someone that was actually in The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I mean, sat back to back with Mark Hamill. Let's um, be real. If John Morton's not your favorite Star Wars guy before this interview, I'm sure he is now. Yeah, a very you know genuine guy. You know. Yeah, it, it's it's really cool because I feel like you could be anybody in a Star Wars movie, and you're part of the fraternity. Right. Like you're. You're a big deal to, to somebody because Star Wars is like the biggest fan base in the world. And <clears throat> I feel like, you know, there's a lot of very classy people that are that are a part of that fraternity. And I've heard a lot of interviews with other people. I've met other people that are pretty cool. You know, Jeremy Bullock was cool. Kenny Baker was interesting. And... Um, Ray Park was a nice guy, but I felt like out of everyone that I've ever met associated with Star Wars, or even heard, um, they really don't get much classier than than John Morton. Um, I really hope that we get to see him again, maybe next year at Altoona, we'll see. Um, by then, we'll have read his short story, which is pretty cool. Um, I know that we'll all read it. I don't know. It was uh, it was definitely an experience uh, that that I'm gonna remember for a long time. Yeah, it was really uh, it was a really surprising part of the weekend because we didn't go in expecting to sit down and talk with anyone or anyone of note for us. And uh, yeah, we got to sit down with uh, Dak and chat a little bit. So it was, it was a really cool experience. That's yeah. gonna do it. For this episode tonight, unless Matt has one more question for Ian. Well, I was going to ask Ian if he wanted to wrap it up tonight, but uh, you you started to right as I was asking. It's not really my it's not really my place, Matt. I mean, I know a lot of place, but he does it every so often. So go ahead, lead us out. It's just going to be silence until he shuts the record button off because you're doing it. That's going to be it for tonight. We really appreciate all of our old-time listeners, as well as our new listeners that we snagged up at Sci-Fi Valley Con. Um, my name is Ian Sharpley. Paul and, Ma- and that's Paul... <laughs> See, Matt Casale. And that's me, you asshole. And that's why we don't do this, because we're all out of sorts. We usually go around the horn. I even pointed. I always go after you. 
I don't close the show. But I go after you. So when I hear your beautiful, rich, mocha voice come through and say it's me, Ian Sharpley, I'm like, I'm Axel. Well, that's okay. That's fine. Let's let's do it one more Fuck time. It. They know who you we are. know. They know who we are. We're the Mix Sauce Comic Book Podcast. Bye, everybody. Okay, sir? Just like new. How about you, Dak? I feel like I could take on the whole empire myself. Really? Cause, cause that would be awesome. Hey, everyone! Dak says he's got this one! <laughs> you know it, bitches! Hey, Imperial Fleet! Get ready to suck some Dak!